Happy Easter. We are glad that you are here, and we're just glad this Easter to be anywhere other than home. Uh, we're glad that you're here today. And, and I want to say this. So for those of you who aren't normally here and so you don't hear us say this all the time, uh, or maybe at the beginning you were still finishing your donut, or maybe you hadn't walked in yet, or maybe you hadn't logged on yet. Uh, I just want to say again, we're, we're glad that you're with us today. Um, but we want to really help walk through whatever you're facing with you. And so if there's something heavy on your heart today at any point in time, uh, while we're doing this deal or any time this afternoon, you can text pray FW uh, to nine, four, zero, zero, zero. And uh, that, that's just a way that you can say, Hey, here's something heavy on my heart. Would you pray for me about this? And man, here, here's what we want to say to you. We believe that God loves you. We believe that God cares about you. We believe that God listens to prayers on your behalf. And then we believe he's such a big deal, he can do something about it. And so we'd love to pray for you if if there's something heavy on your heart. And so we wanted to take the time to say that again. So uh, happy Easter, and we're glad that you're here. And it's been an interesting year so far. So Easter came early this year. There's a piece of me that's like, I can't believe it's already Easter. And then there's a piece of me that feels like we skipped an Easter (laughs) and it's like finally Easter. And so I'm a little torn today, um, but it's been a bizarre year. We started off in the middle of January with uh, Bernie Sanders mittens. Like, right? Like feels like a lifetime ago. It's just a couple months ago. And then the middle of February, we had this like. That was six weeks ago, right? That feels like a lifetime ago uh, that we had the snowpocalypse, or my favorite term, snowvid. <laughs> That's greatness. That's good. I wish I could have come up with that. Uh, man, it just feels like a lifetime ago that we had this. And and here's the deal: as we're doing that uh, that that lovely little snow time, we found out since that supposedly we were three minutes. And 47 seconds from catastrophic power failure that would have resulted in months of no power, right? Here's the thing about that three minutes and 47 seconds. This is from the same jokers who can't get the lights back on. So, like, I don't know how much I trust their math. But if you work with the power department, we love you. Thank you for your good work. Um, I, I do have to ask this. Please tell me I'm not the only person who had never heard of ERCOT. How many of you had never heard of ERCOT until, thank you, Jesus. I was like, am I the dumb? I, I've never, like I've heard of EPCOT and it's magical. <laughs> this is terrible. What is ERCOT and how do they have this much power over my life? Both literally and metaphorically. Um, so we're sitting at home with no power and we're cold. And for those of you who don't know me well, I'm a Floridian. Like below 70 is cold for me. And it's cold and, and we, we're, we're in day two of no power. And I did something. I hopped online with my precious phone battery that was left, right? Turned on my phone and I went online to social media to see if there were any updates, but to check on you. Really? That's the reason I was doing it. I was spending my battery life on you. Okay? Very loving, right? Does that make you feel warm and fuzzy? Uh, Hold on. Um, I start seeing (laughs) some of you posting, our power's back on. Yay. 
And I just got to be honest with you, like I am unsanctified enough, like I'm unspiritual enough that I went like straight Matt Foley, the motivational speaker from SNL. Like I saw your post and I was like, well, Lottie freaking dog. And if you, if you don't know who Matt Foley, the motivational speaker is, let that be our Easter blessing to you. YouTube that later today. You'll be ministered to. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have just been warmed by your warmth, but I think it made me feel colder. Because unfortunately, I'm still fallen enough that I default to, what about me? Or, or what's in it for me? That, that tends to be the way our flesh responds in so much of life. And sadly, if we're honest, we've seen a whole giant dose for the last 12 months of what about me? What, what's in it for me and mine? And, and the fact is, I, I think that I know why we are so wired towards what's in it for me. I believe I know the culprit today. It's grandparents. For all the grandparents visiting, it's your fault. And I'm going to explain what I mean. Our children, we have three sons, our boys' grandparents, when it's one of their birthdays, sends gifts for all three. When I was a kid, I didn't get sent to school with lunch on my birthday week, right? You've got a birthday on Friday. You'll be fine. Just wait till then, right? Mom, I have holes in my socks. You have a birthday in six months. Deal with it. And now... Every They turn into straight Oprah. You have a birthday and you have a birthday. Everybody has a birthday. What has happened? We are in a generation, in a culture of what's in it for me. And instead of trying to push back against that trend this morning, I want to fully embrace it. I want to talk for a few moments this morning about Easter. What's in it for me? Easter, what's in it for me? Please grab your Bible this morning or your tablet or your phone or whatever it is that you read the Bible on. To all of our guests today, both in the room and online, uh, I'll tell you, we have a tradition here that we hold up the thing that we read the Bible on. Uh, We say a creed together as a family uh, and a prayer together before we jump into this book because we just kind of think it's a big deal. Every week there's people here who aren't at that exact place on their spiritual journey, and that's totally cool. We're not trying to single you out. Don't feel pressure to participate in that. We're not trying to make you lie in church on Easter Sunday. Uh, but for those of us that do believe this, let's declare this with some passion, some conviction, and some faith this morning. Let's hold up our Bibles and say this together. The Bible is the Word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory in my joy. Amen. Thank you so much. Please turn to First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. Ten years ago, in 2011, uh, I had the opportunity to preach verse by verse through this book of the Bible. And this is the first time in ten years I, th- I think we've been back in this book. And so I'm going to preach that whole series this morning for Easter. I'm just kidding. Our regular tenders are like, I haven't been surprised me. I've seen him do it. Um, 
we're actually only going to mostly focus on one verse. So take a deep breath. First uh, Peter chapter three. And, and what I want to say before we read is I want to remind you of who's writing this. We believe this is the word of God written through a very human being. This is one of those people that that Trevor talked about during the call to worship. This is one of those runners. This is one of those people who stood there on that first Easter morning and looked into an empty tomb. He then writes, many years later, what God has preserved for us today. Verse number three starts this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if, if, if the events of Holy Weekend do anything for our hearts, I believe it's appropriate that they would result in our hearts crying out, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, which is according to a lot, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Easter, what's in it for me? Here's the first thing I want you to to notice in this verse. It's actually the very last word, and that is dead. There can't be an Easter Sunday morning without a Good Friday afternoon. There can't be resurrection without death. But what we see here is that what's in it for us for Easter is his death means our birth. We are born again because he died. See, in the, in the human reality and in the, the circle of life for us, we move inevitably from birth to death. But in the economy of Jesus, we move from his death to our birth. We move from death to life. What's in it for me is new life. His death on our behalf. And what I want to say this morning is, is what we believe theologically about this event and this day and this weekend is this is not religious fairy tale. This is not a religious story. We believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the son of God in the flesh and he actually died. We believe he ceased to live. Not he went to sleep. Not he pretended to be dead so that he could get up later. He was as dead as dead can be. He had to. He had to die. Because he's the only person who's ever lived who wasn't under a penalty. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us that the, the payment for sin is death. You say, well, man, that's bad news for all them sinners. Three chapters earlier, Paul tells the church at Rome, we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, every one of us. And maybe you think of bad people as having fallen short, and maybe they did fall further than you, whatever that means. But the common denominator between everybody who's ever lived and you and me is this, none of us 
are as holy or as righteous or as perfect as God. And maybe we feel good enough about our holiness when we compare ourselves to people that we know are worse than us, whatever that means. It's interesting today, and I don't, I'm not going to get political on Easter Sunday morning, but it's just bizarre to me, that this outrage culture that we're in today. I want to say to you this Easter Sunday morning, the bad, the evil that I have the most outrage about today is my own. Because what I, what I believe with everything in my soul is if I was the only person who ever lived my arrogant rebellion against God was enough to send Jesus to the cross. The, the sins that I have done, the sins that I have thought, the things that I have said, the natural desires that were so against God that I've had in my spirit. Well, they're like the words of that song. It was my sin that held him there. My sin was enough. If I had been the only person who ever lived, I believe Jesus still would have had to die. Because I believe he's the only person who ever lived who's truly innocent. When I think about the cross, I'm outraged. Not at somebody else. Not at Satan tennis shoes. I'm outraged at me. It was my sin that held him there. And it demanded his death in order for there to be my new beginning. For there to be my new birth, somebody had to die. The old hymn calls it forgiveness full and free. Full forgiveness with God, completely and totally accepted. The one who knows the bad stuff that we don't even know about ourselves fully forgives us. And it's free. Kinda. It's free to us. But it wasn't really free. Have you seen the commercials for the tax company? Free, 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 free. Have you seen those? It's my favorite commercial on TV right now. The auctioneer. Free, 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 free. That's funny. That's just good stuff. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, there's blessing number two. Um, <laughs> and the thing about the way we talk about forgiveness is, is we say it's that casual, that it's free. But it was actually so costly that God the Father had to slay his son for our forgiveness. What's in it for me? His death results in my life. There's never been a time that I think the death on a cross would make more sense to us. Some in this room have lost loved ones in the last year to COVID. And the fact is, no one died from COVID. They, de- they died from the effects of COVID. Most people who lost their life from COVID actually died from suffocation. One of our friends who was here at the Good Friday service had double COVID pneumonia at one time, struggling to to breathe. And the fact is, that's how people died on a Roman cross. The weight of their body pulling the rib cage up against the lungs to where they can't expand. And so we've, some of us have seen 
in real life with medical help, what ended up costing Jesus of Nazareth his dying breath for you and for me so that we could have new life, that we could be born again. Levi Lusco said it this way, we should be broken because our sin is so bad, Jesus had to die. But we should rejoice because we are so loved, Jesus was glad to die. That's the goodness of our God. And the thing is, Easter answers every question that we've heard people ask in the last 12 months. Who's in charge around here? Who can bring order to this chaos? Does anybody love me? Am I as alone as I feel? What happens after I die? Easter answers every one of those questions. It shows that there's a God who's at work bringing good out of the worst thing that's ever happened. Shows that he's present. Shows that we belong to a family and shows that our future is secure. What's in it for us? His death. Is our new life. Here's the second thing. Easter, what's in it for me? His resurrection is our resurrection. We have this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. His resurrection is our. Our hope is alive this morning because our God is alive this morning. His resurrection is our resurrection in Christ. Jesus really, really, really rose from the dead. Just like he for real died in his body, he for real rose to new life. And just like he was as dead as anybody's ever been dead, he came out of that tomb as alive as anybody's ever been alive for real. We don't believe it's fairy tale. We don't believe it's fantasy. And the, the danger of days like this is we have a giant bunny costume in the foyer. <laughs> We're going to give your kids eggs with candy in them as they leave today. And sometimes I think we, we blend the notion between fantasy and faith. And we want to boldly declare we believe on an actual day the actual Jesus of Nazareth actually got up out of the grave in his actual body and is still alive. Maybe your response to that is that's unbelievable. I don't believe in the supernatural. I hear that a lot. I don't believe in the supernatural. I hear that from the generation that grew up. Reading Harry Potter. (laughs) I don't believe in the supernatural, but I'm having a Hogwarts themed birthday party. According to Statistica.com, the Harry Potter movies have brought in over nine billion with a B dollars globally. Nine billion dollars. The Star Wars franchise has brought in over $10 billion globally. The Marvel movie franchise has brought in over 22 
billion dollars from the generation who doesn't believe in the supernatural. Why would we spend all this money, a combined over $40 billion, why would we spend all this money and all this time? And here's why. You are not an accident. You were designed by a creator. And he designed you to desire to believe the unbelievable. He created you with an innate longing to experience the supernatural. And then he satisfied that longing by being supernatural. (laughs) By raising from the dead. No theatrics. No drama. He really raised from the dead. And, And here's the thing. Nobody saw it coming. There's not a single person who left our Good Friday service here going, well, it's over. No, we all knew. This side of the resurrection, we're like, oh, what am I going to wear? Right? What are we having for lunch? Can I get a witness in the house? (laughs) Lemon cake. Marisa made her lemon cake. Actually, Ethan helped make the lemon cake. If you mess that up. You will be a sermon illustration next Sunday. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Probably not. Um, (laughs) What was I talking about? (laughs) Nobody saw it coming. I love what one pastor said. He said, no one was standing at at, at the tomb Easter Sunday morning counting down backwards. Three... Two. Here's how he said it. He said, when they went to the tomb that morning, nobody expected nobody. They went to mourn. Nobody saw this coming, even though he told them that, uh, over and over again. This, this for real happened, and it changed everything. And sometimes I think about... Jesus' resurrection, and maybe I'm just so unspiritual that this is just me, but sometimes I think, okay, Jesus died, and then he rose again. Good for Jesus. What's in it for me? And here's the answer. What's in Jesus' resurrection for you is resurrection. (laughs) Living hope. On Easter Sunday, for at least the last 12 years, we've kind of just done a normal Sunday morning service. Um, When I grew up, that was not how we did Easter. When I grew up, Easter was quite the thing. Like, you wore your fanciest clothes, and then there was a production. If if, if somebody wasn't in a bathrobe of sandals and a terrible beard, it wasn't Easter Sunday. Right? Until we see a donkey in church, the cantata had not begun. Right? Right? And let me just say this before any of you text me. I know we have a talking donkey at church every Sunday. I got it. I'm a flying talking donkey. Okay, anyways. Sorry. It was an Easter. Until the big production happened. And, and still today, there's a lot of churches that do one of two things. It's either a very formal production or a super big informal production dropping eggs out of a helicopter or something, which we will never do here because I will be in the helicopter being like bow tie for five. Bam! But anyways, um, 
And we just, we think it's awesome that churches do that. That's a super cool thing. I'll, I'll tell you two reasons why we don't. Here's the first one. If this is your first time here or first time in a long time or your first time worshiping online, we want to be able to tell you this is what we'll do next week too. So if you feel at home here, if you're digging it, come on back. The water's warm. Let's go. Right? So part of why we do it is we don't want next week to be a letdown. <laughs> this is as good as it gets. Um, so that's part of the reason why. But there's another reason. And I don't mean this remotely critical at how any other church does Easter. But part of why we're just doing church as normal today is because the Easter doesn't, the Easter story doesn't need any hype. Like if we think it needs all this effort to be moving to us, we must not understand what's in it for us. Like that empty tomb is our legacy. That's our story. That's our living hope. And it changes everything. It so changes everything that the resurrection shows us that in Jesus, we're not just saved from something terrible. We're saved to something glorious. Not just what we're saved from, but what we are saved to. When we live with just the saved from idea, we're like, yeah, we were saved from sin. Got it. That's awesome. Thank God for that. But we get so familiar with that side of the gospel that we become spectators almost. We nod our head in approval. But if we understand the the other side of the implications of the Easter story and, and what we're saved for, there's glorious purpose in that. Like it, it's a consuming, passionate reason for living. It's a whole new beginning. It's like we were born again. Matt Chandler said, we've grown familiar with what we've been saved from, and we've yet to fully embrace what we have been saved to. And here's what I would tell you. His death means my forgiveness from my past, and his resurrection means new hope for my future. His death deals with my past and his resurrection secures my future for just a couple minutes. I want us to look at at least three things that we are resurrected to in Christ. The first one we've already kind of been talking about, but I want to bring attention to the word to, right? That, that he's, he's caused us to be born again to a hope that lives. Like in the right here, right now. And what we've seen to our left and to our right for the last 12 months is we live in a world that doesn't have a lot of hope. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we believe we have a hope that no pandemic can slow or stop or wane. We have a hope that that no sickness can kill. We have a hope that no economic downturn can hurt, that no racial divide can stop. We have a hope that will endure until that hope is fully fulfilled in Christ. We've not just been saved from the penalty of sin. That would be reason enough to bless his name. But he saved us too. A living Hope. He saved us to a hope that can't be stopped. 
we look at the next verse, we see two other things he has saved us to. Look at verse number four. He saved us to an inheritance that is imperishable. It will never go bad. It's undefiled, completely pure, and unfading, will never lose its glory. That's our inheritance kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's not forget that the resurrection is not the end of a story. It's the beginning of a whole new one. And I want to say this real cautious and compassionate. There's a lot of religious people who kind of only attend church at Christmas and Easter as though Christmas is the beginning of a story and and Easter is the end. And I just want to tell you, friend, Easter's the real beginning. Easter's the real launching pad to this glorious future that that we anticipate with hope. And as we've laid loved ones to rest in the last 12 months, we have grieved. But we've grieved with a hope that's as secure as heaven itself. And when we talk about heaven, we don't mean some boring place where we're sitting naked on a cloud playing a harp. We think it's going to be this glorious, unimaginable recreation of a perfect earth. Every beautiful place you've ever wanted to see, you'll see it. And this time, you won't have to stand in line with the TSA. (laughs) You won't have to wear a mask or get temperature checked to get there. It'll be great. That's the promised hope for every one of us who are in Christ Jesus. When we live with a, a reality of the hope of heaven, we just walk through difficulty different here. The rest of this passage here at the beginning of 1 Peter 1, he talks about, man, that's why we're walking through difficult seasons right now. It's because we're not home yet. And, And I know that some people are so excited to get rid of masks or to get back to normal or for COVID to be over. And I just got to tell you, I'm living with a far greater anticipation about a far greater day. Normal's overrated. We got something way better than that waiting on us when we're in Christ Jesus. We have been resurrected to new beginnings, new life, living hope. And we've been resurrected to future hope. Here's the last thing I'll I'll point out that we're resurrected to. We're resurrected to being a part of you. Who's you? Who's Peter talking about? I I say this a lot for our regular attenders. We read the Bible as Westerners, very individual, very me, Jesus, candle, coffee cup, right? When this is a communal book, this is being written to the followers of Jesus alive at that time. And for 2000 years through the power of the Holy Spirit, what's been proclaimed over us is we are a part of a bigger you. If Peter were from Texas, he would say kept in heaven for y'all. And that is this, we've been resurrected to a new family. In Jesus, we belong to something bigger and greater than just us. And in this 12 months of isolation and social distance, I just want to remind you, in Jesus, you cannot, you never will be alone. You belong to something. And life just feels right when we're doing life together. Because we 
Believe in the greatest story that's ever been told. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That makes us family. So Easter, what's in it for me? His resurrection is our resurrection. And that changes everything. Give me just like three more minutes. I I want to say this before we're done. The resurrection so changes everything that we wouldn't be here today without it. This wouldn't be worth coming to without it. There's been a lot of martyrs. There's a lot of holy books. There's a lot of religious gatherings. Our distinctive is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's how I would say this. The resurrection is the actual event that launched the movement that eventually birthed the church that endured Opposition. That's what Peter was trying to warn them about. If you don't have your hope in something bigger, this is going to get hard, which is why tens of thousands of believers in the resurrection have faced persecution, opposition, and even martyrdom for their belief in this story. The church has always survived opposition. And I'm, I know I'm chasing a rabbit here. Give me just a second. I've read a half a dozen articles from secular news organizations this week about how church attendance is declining in the U.S. for decades now actually since the 1960s, that church attendance has been in decline and COVID was the nail in the coffin for church attendance is what they said. And man, I read every one of those articles with with a little bit of of a grin on my face, just thinking, you don't understand. You've never met my bride. She's unstoppable, right? This thing that we're a part of, this thing called the church, she'll be just fine. She has faced way worse oppositions than this. She will march on until Jesus comes back for her. The resurrection is the event that launched the movement that birthed the church that has endured opposition that brought us the very word of God. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe the resurrection because the Bible says so. I believe the Bible because of the resurrection. The resurrection is what confirms all of our faith system. And it's the resurrection that reveals our future hope. The resurrection changes everything. This day needs no hype. This day needs no colored bubbles. This day just needs to be asked of it. God, what what is in that for your followers? What's this supposed to mean for us? What I believe is it's supposed to change our life. Not just get us forgiveness of sin so we can cruise to the finish line. It's the event that changes everything, and I believe it's supposed to change our lives. And, and what's, in, what's in it for you today is new life, new purpose, new hope, and a new family. I believe what's in it for us today is his death is our death so that his resurrection can be our resurrection. That his resurrection can be new purpose and new meaning and new beginning and new life. And so that his resurrection can mean our future resurrection.
And I believe there's only one appropriate response to that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know for sure that you've experienced that event, being born again, I believe it's a real beginning. I believe it's a second date of birth. And if you don't have a a moment like that, a place like that, an experience like that, that you can go to and say, man, that's when God started changing my life. If you've never experienced that, this, this Easter morning, the most important thing in the whole world is that you know we'd love to talk to you about that. Man, if you feel a stirring in your heart today that says, I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. Listen, Jesus didn't lay down his life and then take it up again so that you could feel on the outside. He did it to welcome you in to new hope and new life. In just a few moments, we're going to sing about how the work of the cross finished all of that separation between us and God. And while we're singing, there's going to be some men and women in the prayer room in the back. You can just slip out super nonchalant, go back there, say, hey, I don't I don't know that I've got a story. I don't know for sure that I've got a new beginning. We'd love to have that conversation with you. We're not trying to recruit you to our team. We're not going to push you or pressure you. But if we can answer your questions, we think you're the most important thing today. If you're watching online, you can click the link near this video that says, can we talk? We'd love to have that same conversation with you because we believe the resurrection changes everything.